Welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner. Um, this is the post-Penn State game Kente Corner. As always, I'm Bobby Bancroft. I'm here with Ben Standing from The Athletic. Ben, you were there last night. Georgetown loses its first game of the season, 81-66 to Penn State, in a wire-to-wire victory for the Nittany Lions. Um, what, are you, what are sort of your first impressions of what we witnessed last night? It was not good. It was not good. It was not good, and it was and it ruined uh, fajita night. I had fajitas in the media room pregame. It's a nice treat, and it kind of like you know immediately four seconds into the game, it was like, well, there, there's a there's a different bad taste in everybody's mouth. What would they hit like five? Penn State hit like five threes in the first like five minutes, and it was kind of the rare basketball game on any level. It was kind of over <laughs> from there. I mean, Georgetown sort of got it down to maybe like five or six a couple times, but. Yeah, it was kind of over pretty quick. So, um, that yeah, was, uh, that, that, that was disheartening. Yeah, um, you know, obviously Penn State, known as a football school, um, it was seven nothing immediately. Uh, Myron Jones had a career high twenty one points. He had fourteen of the first sixteen for Penn State. Four of those three, four of his six field goals came early, and they were all threes. Um, they had a real big problem with him, and um, you know. I don't know where to start offense, defense. I think because this is supposed to be a Georgetown team that we saw last year and they were supposed to be better this year, obviously. I want to start with their offense because I can't really figure out what they're trying to do other than shoot it as quick as possible. Um, I know that you're a big NBA guy. Patrick Ewing obviously came from the NBA. What are, What are you sort of seeing from their offense that maybe I'm missing? I don't know if I'm seeing if I'm seeing anything. I mean, you know, the the, the, the you brought this up yesterday. The when we talked uh, the switch from from Govan to Yurtaven. Who you know, look Yurtaven from a statistical standpoint, it's hard to argue. He's got what three du- double doubles in three games. Yeah, he's been pretty efficient shooting inside and all that. But it does bring a different. It's a different type of element with Govan. You had the three point threat that Georgetown's lacking right now. Um, you know, uh, McClung, what is he, two for 17 from the field the last two games, and he shot a terrible percentage of three last year. Yeah. So with that guy off, uh, you know, Akinjo just, you know, he's been fine, reasonable, whatever. But, yeah, it does feel like they're kind of missing uh, some of that perimeter firepower. But I don't even know. Like, I think, like, at a very basic level, you mentioned the NBA and if there's an influence there. The one thing I noticed, like, I actually – Instead of just talking about Georgetown, I actually wrote something about Georgetown the other day on The Athletic. And, Which is a um, good time to remind everyone that they can subscribe to The Athletic through you, and then that might be more of a reason for The Athletic to want you to continue to cover Georgetown. That, I could not have plugged that better myself, <laughs> yes. I I told the, the bosses are not pushing me for Georgetown right now because they have me cover some other things, but I said, hey, you might all right, and we'll see what happens. They said, cool, so... We did get some good feedback, but yes, if you'd like more Georgetown, uh, go check it out and go subscribe to the article that's there, and we'll go from there. But um, in any event, the one thing I sort of saw was with 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 with, with Georgetown going, I don't know if it's more uh, full court or half court pressures than they did a year ago, but it felt a little more noticeable. I thought in the first couple of games, and and, and a little bit here too, and then the fact that Ewing was going 10-11 deep in the rotation. So sort of like a way to maybe on some level keep guys fresh if you're trying to 
use a little more pressure. It, it reminded me of some of the of the 1980s Georgetown teams that were known for you know pressure all over the place and and subbing guys in and out, particularly in the wings and the backcourt. And so, it kind of reminded me a little bit of of that. But you know, it's one thing to do that when you're anchored by Patrick Ewing, the player, or you know whatever or whatever center they had, or you know when Georgetown had the Reggie Williamses and you yeah. know, some top shelf players. You know, whatever Yurt Saban and Kinjo and McClung are like that. That's not they don't have those guys. So we'll we'll see. You know, I think Ewing even kind of said he's going to have to dial back the rotation. But that did seem like, on some level, maybe you know, took them out of some flow offensively with, with guys that kind of going in and out, and maybe not everybody was there. But l- 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 let me ask you this question to, to hijack your podcast. Yeah, go ahead. Here, here's my question. I ask this all the time, and I wonder this for all the teams that I cover that have uh, not full houses when they're playing, whether this is the Wizards, whether this is uh, even the Redskins on some level. Some level. When you're the home team and there's not that bolt of lightning energy that you get from a crowd to start a game, I kind of think it it hurts the home team. Whereas the visiting team, you automatically don't you assume it's going to be a hostile situation and you have to come into it on some level feeling you, you kind of have to amp up yourself. Like it's sort of like an, a, a mentality like that. And, and I do wonder on some level. This is not to be making excuses. This is not to blame the fans. It's just to sort of say, there's just no atmosphere in the building. And I wonder with these kids, like, are they sort of like almost on some level, like this is three home games in a row that they have come out uh, quiet. And they did, you know, we saw some of this previously. This isn't that new. And I, I just, on some level, I, I, again, this is not an excuse, but I do sort of wonder if the lack of juice in the building is hurting this team because at the start of the game, three in a row, they just have not been that impressive. Yeah, sure. I think that that, that could contribute. Um, I would put that sort of low. Um, I don't think the lack of fans is making them not move on defense or it's making the guards. Because, I mean, I, I think, honestly, when we're going to stick with the offense. I feel like I'm not really seeing a Kinjo and McClung play off each other. Um, early last year when McClung was struggling, like he is now, by the way, maybe that's just sort of the way he dips into a college basketball season. Um, I I was a big advocate for putting him off the bench just so you had, if you're going to split up their minutes, because I felt he he needed the ball more and those types of things. And then eventually he started scoring these big numbers and it was like, well, Bobby, you're an idiot for considering putting McClung in the second unit, but I'm just not, I'm not seeing a lot of continuity. I mean, you know, Ewing talked a little bit about too much one-on-one ball last night and watching the way they play. It seems like if they don't score in transition, it sort of is one-on-one ball. It's there, there isn't a lot of like, you know, quick ball movement to guys in the corner. Like I feel like if there was really good ball movement, you know, Jamarco Pickett, who's off to a pretty good start shooting would have more than six field goal attempts. You know, maybe he would shoot more than two threes. I mean, it's not so much that Georgetown only made four threes last night, which in 2019, 20 college basketball is a ridiculously low number. They only shot 13 of them, which I think make 13. Yeah. Penn state made 13 Georgetown took 13. You know, and it's not like Georgetown had like 45 trips to the to the line. So, you know, I know I'm kind of going everywhere, but I feel like when you look on offense, there's so many issues. I mean, like I said, I feel like Akinjo and McClung aren't playing very well together for whatever reason at the moment. McClung obviously is not shooting, but he's not getting to the line. When he was at his best last year, he's going to the line eight times a game, you know, just the way he attacks the basket. Um, they don't have a three-point shooter. 
you know, it's I guess it was supposed to be Blair. Maybe it's Pickett. They're you know Pickett's not getting the shots, and Blair is just flat out not hitting to start the season. You know, Jesse. I think a lot of fans were really looking at him as he was a great player. He's you know all time you know top ten scoring and rebounding all these types of things. But everyone kind of and I I did a little bit too focus on he was never part of a good defensive unit, so maybe he's the reason. Okay, clearly he's not the reason that we all owe Jesse Gavon an apology, but he was their three-point gun. He was their shooter, and your seven hasn't even, I don't think he's taken a three yet. So they went from a team where you had to, you know, you had more spacing with Van, you know, hanging on the perimeter half the time. Now your seven is just kind of down on the block. And like you said, he's got three straight double-doubles to start his career for Georgetown, but they're just completely different. The spacing isn't there. And, um, I think you hit it on that a little bit earlier, and you mentioned it post game. Is he's got to limit this? He's got to figure out who can actually play because playing eleven guys in each half isn't isn't working. And they all played at least ten minutes. I think. Yeah. So, I mean, that's an insane. Like, if, I, I when I, I didn't realize that until like after the game that they that they each played that much. I mean, that's it's one thing to have eleven guys enter the game. But it's another thing to have them play at least a quarter of a, of a game when some of these guys, you know, we'll see what these freshmen turn into. But realistically, you know, any minutes being spent on these freshmen that take some of the starters off the court, you know, is, yeah. lot, is likely not a good thing. Um, two things I would sort of just say based on kind of what you were saying. One, one key in the game was Penn, both teams, like, turned the ball over way too much. I think they were both sure. around 20 turnovers. The Penn State converted. Yeah, Penn State got like 22 points or something. And at the time of the game, so the, the, the margin, the final margin was what it was, but it was like a 10, 12-point game with like three minutes to go. And at that point, Penn State was outscoring Georgetown by about 10 or 12 points in points off turnovers, even though the mar- you know, they each had around the same amount. So you could look at that on some po- odd positive level in the sense of they were the, – the, the defensive approach seemed to work to some degree. This is what they want to do to generate some easy baskets. They just didn't convert. But, okay, that's still, that didn't help them last night. The, the other thing is sort of take out McClung, the specifics of a human being named Mac McClung, and just think of the type of player that he is. He is a guard who shoots a very low percentage from three, right? If that guy is going to be on the court, he basically, in a general sense, He's got to be a ball-dominant type of player. He's a guy that has the ball in his hand, gets to the basket, and maybe distributes. That isn't what the Georgetown's having him do because he's not the lead guard. And then right. you top it off with he's not defensively. He's, you know, at best pedestrian and, and often a liability. So it just, like, doesn't seem to, you know, again, I, I'm not saying Mac McClung shouldn't play or anything like that, but, like, in terms of what the flow of the team is, it just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Last year, look, they, they were trying to, you know, Ewing's first year, they're trying to sort things out. They didn't have a ton of guards. McClung showed he could score, so at least you just go with that. But now, with this type team, and again, especially, you don't have a Jesse Govan to help spread the court. You instead have a big man who's going to clog the paint more, which I assume also makes it a little more challenging for McClung and, and maybe even a Kinjo to drive because there's more people in the paint. It does feel like it's a weird mix with McClung in there, so I don't know if this is something that I think it's pretty. Would... I think it's pretty easy to fix, honestly. If they, I mean, so my internet wasn't working at um, Capital One last night. Big shocker, uh, the Ethernet wasn't working. All those things, so the world couldn't see all my, you know, just great tweets. I'm sure I had 
that never got sent. But one of the things is I felt like your seven and Akinjo particularly, once they got down early, was it 25 to seven? I think in, in college basketball, you know, I, I made the joke after the game last night, it's not like they have a game in San Antonio today, right? So it's a 40-minute game. They don't play till Sunday. At that point, it's sort of like, okay, well, unless your seven and Akinjo are in foul trouble, they need to get close to 38 minutes. And your seven ended up 25 minutes, Akinjo 26 minutes. And so my point is McClung played 21 minutes. Akinjo played 26. You could basically kind of have them in shifts if that's the kind of minutes that, you, that you're going to you're gonna allot to them, which goes to your point of like maybe you need to mix them up. And I was big last year into thinking that they should – they should spend a lot of time on the court separately. And, and But in doing that, then you don't start McClung. Because okay, that, cause that's, that's fine. Because you're getting off to these slow starts, and I'm, and I'm with you. Playing McClung and Akinjo separately may be on some level the best way to maximize their talents, but, you know, I, I'm, I think that starts at the top now. You know, I, I think a guy like Blair is, is uh, you know, I mean, I don't mean Blair, sorry. I mean, uh, Mosley. Uh, you know, he's a he's a classic glue guy. He does a lot of little things. Not, he's not spectacular in any one area. But, you know, he can make a shot. He can defend. He won't, you know. But it feels like late in games he has the ball, especially for the last couple of years, and didn't know he was working to his favor. But, um, you know, you can effectively play him as sort of the, the guy next to Kinjo who focuses on defense. He, he, he not, needs to shoot more, though, because he – He's sort of becoming the guard version of Nate Lubick. Like you're starting a guy that doesn't take shots. And you know, last night he missed last night he missed his only shot of the game, which is the only shot he's missed of the season. And I you know, I think he's a better shooter than Nate Lubick. Okay. So I feel yeah, I feel like that that makes sense to have him out there. But he, he's gonna need to make shots. He's gonna need to take the shots. Because the defense the defense is sort of figuring out a way to play Georgetown and it's double team Akinjo and then everyone else is, you know in a bad spot. By, by the way, like, we're also, and I don't have the, the stats in front of me, but in terms of last year, we mentioned Govan as a guy that was missing. We're also missing Matt Malinowski, right? Because that was another guy they had, that right? That was last year, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember what happened yesterday. Um, but, like, that's another guy that could shoot that, like, you know, it would be great if, you know, Javon Blair could come in and be that guy. We haven't really seen him consistently make threes since his freshman year. So they didn't just lose Govan. They lost another guy off the bench who could come in and, and give him some of that, uh, give him some of that. So, I, you know, look, I, I would say to sort of broaden it out, I mean, it is still early. It's only game three. Last night's loss was definitely disheartening, especially on top of the fact that they didn't look clean in the, in the two wins, especially the first game. So and you know the, the, Georgia State's up next, and but then after that, and it, you know if they struggle with Georgia State, you know the uh, what 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 you know the, you can you, what did you say you named the podcast the other day? The sky is falling almost or something. No, um, you know. I I of course jinxed everything, and I said you know the sky is not falling on the two and O Hoyas because people wanted the sky to fall after Central Arkansas, and I said let's just wait till Penn State. You know it's it's like a week away. I, for no reason at all, not, there's no analytics to back this up. I thought Georgetown would play up and down to the level of competition. We saw it a little bit last year. I just thought that that was what's going to happen. I also thought LeBlanc was going to get back in the starting lineup, and I thought the bench was going to shorten. And, like, I went over 3 on that. 
Okay. Yeah. And 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 anyway, all of the things in terms of the year being early, like you know, the idea of playing more guys, you know, it may not be a bad thing over time, but at the moment, at least, it doesn't seem to be making a lot of sense. And and you're right when when you're when you're down early, whatever plans you have on some level to go deep, you kind of have to throw them out and play your main guys more minutes, at least until you get back in the game and, uh, you know, kind of go from there. I mean, that seems like a pretty basketball one-on-one. And it, 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 based on the minutes, at least, if that was Ewing's plan to spread it out to that degree, it does feel like a, almost a little bit of stubbornness. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know what Georgetown's like. Let's put in five guys to get a stop lineup is definitively. But whatever it is, he didn't stick with that or much else in any way because he's got, you know, so many different guys playing and, uh, you know, at some point you, you probably just have to throw out your quote-unquote plan and go with, you know, your best five guys for that for that moment and, and figure some things out. Five guys to get a stop lineup. Okay, so your seven is in, but I don't I don't want him I don't want him trying to hedge at the top of the um, top of the three point line. Um, I think Gardner is in. I think Allen is in. Two guys that were not on the team last year. I think you could put Mosley and Pickett in. Yeah, I think that's probably what I would do if I had to get a stop right well, now. I, I, it's interesting you said Gardner. I mean, I'm not saying that's wrong. I just had not thought about him yet. Um, in in that uh, in that the way, I, I guess I would have said like Akinjo just because like if he actually on the court. You know, focus, focuses on defense. But yeah, uh, I hadn't really thought about Gardner. Um, okay, so we actually had a really good response. I was stuck at a traffic light this morning going to work, and I decided to ask um, all of the great people that listen to the Ken Day Corner if they had any questions. And obviously, after a game like last night, you're going to get a lot of them because it didn't work out that great for uh, Hoya fans. Um, you know, how long of a leash should you get? Um, I think we're a little bit too early into that. It says, you know, what's the reasonable timetable for evaluating whether he's going to work out? I think generally in college sports, no matter who the coach, whether they came from the pros or they've been in another college, I think you have to get at least four years to go through an entire cycle of your kids. I think that seems pretty reasonable to me. How about you? Wait, who, who asked that question? Uh, Talk and be practice did. Oh, okay, um, he's good. A, he's, He's a pretty active um, Hoya Twitter guy that I'm very familiar with. Uh, he's pretty good at engaging yeah, yeah. on there. I'm, um, so I'm from- I think I think at least years. I think usually coaches get four to five years. So we're two games into year three, and I know people are disappointed, but um, you know it's it's still pretty early. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just in a general sense, I think I'm a I think I'm an old school guy in this way. Like I'm always stunned, like when that when some NFL team gets off to a slow start. Like Adam Gates of the Jets, he's been there for like half a season. And people are already asking if he's going to make it through. It's just like, wow, can a guy like uh, have a minute to sort of figure some things out? If you typically hire a coach, it came into a bad spot. And, uh, you know, no disrespect to JT3, but Ewing didn't come in with like – he came in with a couple things. You had Govan, you had Derrickson, but obviously you had, uh, you know, most of the players we've just discussed were not on the team already. So – uh, the, you know, it's fair to give him some time to get his own recruits. Uh, yeah, like you said, play through sort of a cycle. That's just a general coach. That would have if they had hired generic coach X. The fact that it's Patrick Ewing, the guy whose face is plastered all over everything with this university, the reason yeah. your is considered to be 
one of the you know best programs in college basketball history. There's two people put at the top of the uh, at the top of the pyramid for that: John Thompson Jr. and Patrick Ewing. So this guy is going to have a longer leash than 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 anybody. I would also remind uh, you know remind folks that the the you know they didn't while Georgetown changed John Thompson the third out. The people, the other people there are still there, and by and large, this is a place that, you know, the Thompsons are kind of running this place. They, 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 they're deferential to what's been going on there with the basketball program. So I don't see Patrick Ewing going anywhere anytime soon, no matter what happens. But, again, at a base level, three games in the year three, I think, is too early for anything. And, look, I mean, they have had some signs of, of – um, of growth in his time again that that loss last night was disheartening and uh you know at least bobby the good thing is georgetown's schedule is so light that they should have some easy games coming up oh wait they actually they actually didn't do that this year they actually <laughs> have really tough games coming up so, uh, oops, well i guess they, clearly they clearly me and you cannot clearly me and you cannot complain about that <laughs> no 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 yeah no i the schedule okay i mean they you know, they, they amped it up. They ramped it up to, to a, a reasonable level that that will, you know, with, with some good work, will get them in the tournament. Uh, or, yeah, you know, and what it does is it makes it so if you lose to Penn State in the Gavit games, it doesn't kill your season. Like, they have plenty of opportunities to fix last night's, you know, problem. Um, okay, um, Florida Hoya with, you know, he's been a, he's a great Twitter follow for Georgetown fans, and he's been good on message boards, and I think he's written some stuff on casual in the past. Can't remember exactly, but he's got a pretty good question. He's got, how would you slash the universe say the whole Ewing thing is going two plus years in? On the court is one thing. It's rough to deal with it the day after, you know, last night, but more on the broader culture of the program. And I think you just sort of speaking to that. Anything different? Do the media slash fans actually care that much? Um, I'll, I'll start this off by saying, I know I told you last night that not, not for the Georgia State game, but when they get back from New York, I think part of what I'm going to do is sort of want to just try and talk to some people before the game, talk to, you know, the fans that are actually coming. Because, you know, you, you get so, 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 like, worked up or, you, you know, you hear things in the echo chamber of message boards or on Twitter. That's a real small percentage of the fan base. Um, so I, I do want to sort of, you know, hey, it's been, you know, two and a half, you know, two years plus five games, whatever it is. How is this thing going? You know, what, what do you like? What do you dislike? Um but as far as the culture, I think you just mentioned it. The culture of the program is the same. They just they they basically made the only coaching change they could make, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think right. I don't think anything is. I mean, look, part part of the issue with Georgetown, from our perspective of as observers, is that we're not in, we're not let in very much. That that's both the media and the fans. So it's well, yeah, hard like to see you mentioned the, yesterday. The, they played Penn State in one of their bigger games, you know, non-conference in a while, and there was no media availability. Now, I didn't ask for it either, but they didn't have one. Right, right. So, so they part of the issue with Georgetown historically is they just don't, you know, they keep everybody at arm's length. That's the media and the fans, I think, on some level. So it's a little hard to know what goes off, but that's the point of when we say it doesn't look like there's a uh, a, a ton of uh, a ton of change. I mean, I think Ewing is. You know, change the, the the style of the team, and versus what you know, there's no more Princeton offense and that type of thing. But yeah, I mean, I don't think that has that has changed uh, much at all. Um, and look, I, I would I would just make this point, like uh, I've, I've said this before. You know, Bill Belichick 
it is a very unfriendly situation. He doesn't say we all see the press conferences. He gives you know lousy answers most of the time. He's not. He, he doesn't even attempt to be accessible. Uh, you know, the, the Patriots are pretty limiting when it comes to uh, player interviews and all that. And guess what? Nobody cares because they win everything all the time. But the second that were to go away, the three, you know, a couple of years of bad seasons, you wait till you see people turning on Bill Belichick because he, he's not giving you anything to hug. He, it's just a matter of they're so good, you're, you're embracing the wins and you don't really care what happens. So Georgetown's gone the other way. For years, this was the way they did things and nobody cared because they just kept winning. And you, who cares? Whatever. You, you, you know, you're going to be a little closed off or a lot closed off, but you're, you're getting into the tournament every year. You're in Biggie's contention every year, top 20, top 25, top 10. You know, you, you know, you sniff the Final Four, you make the Final Four, you win a title, you know, back in the day. People will allow for a lot. And we're way past that at this point, and I think that's part of the thing. So, uh, it's, uh, you know, look, you know, Patrick Ewing turns this around. They turn back into a tournament team. Same thing will happen. People will, will move on and feel better about it. But until that happens, it just feels – it feels like it's a distant relationship from my perspective, both with the fans and the media. I'm sure some fans would disagree with that, but, uh, you know, I think by and large, last thing I'll say on this, like, I grew up in this area as as did you. Uh, I'm older than you. Uh, don't remind me of that. Uh, and so I grew up at a point when, like, Georgetown and Maryland never played each other, and it was sort of like you were just, for a lot of us, they were just the local teams that you rooted for. But, as time has progressed, people become more tribal on these things. It's either one or the other. And the reality is there's no – unless you went to Georgetown or you're somebody like our age who kind of grew up with these things, the Iverson era at, at a minimum, if not the Ewing era, I don't think there's that many casual Georgetown fans anymore because they haven't been winning and it's not fun. I know like one really know. big casual Georgetown fan. <laughs> yes, I do know one, but he went to the school. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just saying, like, it's not like there's – the fan base feels like the people who were around from the Ewing era on – Have gotten older. The, They're old. Yeah, up to, up to the – like, I mean, you know, again, what do I know? But I don't, I don't meet too many people who just out of the blue didn't go to Georgetown or whatever, grew up in the area, and like the team. It's different with the team saying college. I don't, know, I don't know anyone like that. Yeah. Right, right. So, it's just uh, – I mean, I know that wasn't – anyway, that wasn't – I'm the question is more about the culture, but that sort of yeah. connects to, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're running out of time here, but um, Josh LeBlanc, are, were you surprised that he didn't start last night? I was stunned. I guess I was surprised. Uh, you know, we, we don't know what the infraction was that got him suspended, so maybe it's one of those things where it's sort of like, a, okay, you're playing now, but we're going to keep you out as sort of a – tack on punishment on some level, but then Ewing's asked about it after the game and kind of was like saying he didn't think he needed to do a lot more, and he cited, well, he only had six rebounds, and I'm yeah, like, he played 20 minutes. In 20 minutes, that seems like a pretty reasonable pretty reasonable number. Um, yeah, I, I, was sur- I was surprised. Um, you know, this is where the we, we talked about the McClung, so if you sat McClung, who, who would go in the game? Uh, you know, uh, going with Going with LeBlanc could shift everybody else down one spot. Seems like a potentially reasonable, uh, reasonable approach. But um, you know, having LeBlanc next to Yurtaven kind of slows you down a little bit. Like I'm not saying LeBlanc is like a a stiff, but he's more of a 
old school power forward than he is like a run and gun type. I, I sort of looked at him as. So, so surprisingly know, enough, he actually made one of Georgetown's four three pointers last night. Well, there you go. No, but, but no, I yeah, like... I think I think I think you know it is like you look at it and you say, well, you got your seven and you got LeBlanc, so I'm starting two guys that aren't three point threats at all, and in you know modern basketball, that's kind of one too many, right? I mean, some some teams are starting five guys that can that can shoot threes. Um, I I just think that Georgetown right now is not good enough to not start their best players, and Josh LeBlanc is definitely one of their best, most impactful players. And I mean, we've talked for. 30 minutes or so we haven't even talked we could talk for another hour about defensive problems but every time that we talk to Ewing he basically it comes down to and he he always gives these answers like a great player sort of would well guys need to play better you know team defense starts with individual defense and I need individuals to pick up their game and he never really gets into specifics whether that's on purpose or whether that's because he feels you know that it's sort of that simple like guys just have to play better I'm not really sure but um I don't. I think Josh goes along with that. I think Josh is one of your better defenders, and I think he does need to be out there to start and finish and a lot in the middle as well. Yeah, I mean, based on what we saw last year, LeBlanc looked like a guy on, on the rise for sure and somebody you'd want uh, out there. But, yeah, I mean, it is interesting if you have – you know, if, if, if you said – if we said, like, put your, like, your quote-unquote best guys out of the court – on some level, that would be LeBlanc, that would be Yurtaven, that would be uh, Akinjo, Top, I mean, McClung on some broad level, and, I don't know, Pickett. Like, based on that, we just named three guys that don't shoot and, and uh, that don't shoot much or well from deep. And that is a, that is a weird dynamic in, in, like you said, in 2019, and I hadn't really thought about it from that perspective as much. So, you know, again, they, they, they lost two guys who could shoot three last year haven't really figured out necessarily how to have a balance of, of, of guys like that. So, um, you know, that doesn't excuse the defense. It doesn't excuse the slow start. But, you know, on some level it may explain a little bit of the uh, offensive inefficiencies. And I'll give you in the benefit of the doubt he's trying to figure out floor balance and things like that and hasn't done it yet. But um, we, will, uh, we, we will see. So, okay, so right now, three games in, are you 100% revising – your prediction that they will not make the tournament, or your prediction was they will make the tournament. Are you revising your prediction? Yes. Yes, I'm absolutely, you know what, and if people want to go ahead and say I'm a flip-flopper, um, really disappointed in year three of the lack of, like I said just a second ago, the team defense. I just can't figure out, I just can't figure out what, you know, this, this, this is a team that went on a foreign trip this summer, Okay. So they got the extra practices in. They got they got to go there, and I mean, right now they're really lucky not to be one and two. And it's not like they opened up with Duke and Kansas. I mean, you know, they could have easily lost to Mount St. Mary's. Couldn't really defend against them. They had a kind of a mad, uh, you know, a, a, a mad game against Arkansas, C- Central Arkansas, and Penn State just came into their house and just really took it to them. So I know there's a lot of new pieces. The only thing I think that would improve that is, you know. Ewing doesn't seem to know the right combinations and that he's using this part of the season to figure it out. So you can look back on the Penn state game, maybe in like a couple weeks and be like, you know, it was a terrible result, but some things, you know, came out of that, you know, like different lineups, different combinations, a shorter bench. I'm not even, I'm not even totally sure which way I would go. And, you know, I'm not paid millions of dollars to figure it out, 
but I think it's their defense. You know, this is, this will be the fifth year in a row of Georgetown. If it continues this way that they have been unable to defend the last two of JT three, where it seemed like they were always fouling peak was always in foul trouble and they had a very short bench. So once peak went out, they were in big trouble. Well, the new version of Georgetown is they just try and speed the game up, give up a lot of points. They don't really foul, but they don't, they don't, they don't defend. And I just think that, I just, I just don't, I, I don't, I don't see it anymore. Like I, their defense to me has been the most disappointing thing, and that's the reason why I think they're going to struggle to make the tournament. That being said, a ton of time to figure that out. Ton of time to figure out combinations. How about you? Yeah, well, one guy we haven't touched on a, a ton is uh, Alexander, and I know that they, they before the season started, you know, he was somebody that, that generated some buzz internally uh, as somebody to keep an eye on, and you know, from an athletic standpoint. You know, you know, we'll see where he ends up ultimately as a three-point shooter. But like athletically, yeah. like he looks, he looks like a kind of a guy that you know that that can you know he can get up and down the court. He's long. You know, if you threw him in there instead of McClung, right? I mean, it gives you an automatically a different look. Get you know, you you become a much long a bigger team. Yeah. Gives you some cover with the Kinjo out there. Uh, you know, I I think he's somebody that you know even with they shorten a rotation should stay you know, high in the minutes and, you know, be somebody who could potentially, you know, look, I mean, we're, we're, you know, three-point shooting, you don't have to be three-point shooting, you know, no matter what the, no matter what all the analytics people are saying, but you do have to figure out a way to, you know, create opportunities offensively and, and, and look, if he's at least going to be, you know, a help on defense rather than a sieve, then, well, then that's something to, uh, that's something to consider. Speaking of analytics, like, Georgetown's kind of gone the exact opposite way offensively. I haven't been charting it, and maybe I'll do it when they start playing on the road and I'm just watching from TV and I can stop and rewind and all those things. I feel like they take more contested, like, long twos than any team in the country right now. But that, that's, that's without me watching every team play. But it just seems like they've sort of gone the other way. And, you know, Pickett actually – Pickett made, like, a really tough two the other night. I think your, your seven did – but you know, instead of those threes, they're they're shooting contested twos. I just thought of it when you said analytics, um, Ben. The way this podcast is going, um, I think we could talk forever. But unfortunately, fortunately, our time has come to an end. Um, you want to tell the people where they can find you? Sure. If it, if you're if, if this exact <laughs> moment, I'm driving on the streets of Bethesda. Oh well, well I, I meant and social media. Yeah, yeah, I know. But if you meant in cyberspace as opposed to my, my place on a Google map, that yes. would be uh, The Athletic or on Twitter at Ben Standig uh, or uh, in the media room at Georgetown Games bothering Bobby and other people around me. Perfect. And again, thanks everyone to listening. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, all those cool places. Give us a rating if you feel so inclined. Um, we'll talk to you again soon. I'll see you.